0: This is Deanna Castro with Four Productions, and today I have someone who you must talk to, you must know if you're going through this craziness of the coronavirus. His name is Dr. Foreman, and he's been here before, but this time I want to ask him a specific questions because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Let me tell you a little bit about him. I will describe Dr. Foreman as a true healer. He's a wealth of knowledge with many different tools under his belt. He has a PhD in Immunology, a postdoctorate in Applied Clinical Nutrition, a doctorate degree in Oriental Medicine. He brings a unique combination of competence combined with caring that helps his patient achieve their full health potential. He is the go-to person if every other doctor has given up on you. So here is Dr. Forman.
1: Hi, Diana. Great to be here.
0: Thank you, doc. Thank you for taking your time and being with us today. I wanted to um, come with, to talk to you because you are a PhD in immunology. And right now what we have is exactly the big mess that nobody has planned for. And this is just going out of proportion. There's a ton of misinformation. People are making claims about, um, you know, hold your breath for 10 seconds and that's your test for coronavirus or, you know, do clean here or clean that with this of uh, disinfectant. People are just trying to create, I don't know, a viral video because they're taking advantage of media and they are not doing people a service. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've heard, what is really going on right now with this craziness of the coronavirus from your point of view?
1: Well, the coronavirus class of viruses is well known to us in many different forms, and they do have the ability to mutate as they come through the population. They can morph into more virulent and less virulent forms. We've seen them before. The containment in this particular case did not happen as aggressively as we've approached other viruses in the past. And the testing capability, particularly in the United States, was weak and under-energized, and so what we ended up getting was a plethora of undetected cases, and we're still getting that because this is a virus that can be transmitted without any symptoms. and. It makes detection very difficult. So you've got people in environments with other people and they can transmit the virus and they can even transmit the virus to people who don't get symptoms and they can end up transmitting the virus. And finally, it lands with a vulnerable person, a vulnerable patient. And that's where we get into complications. The flu is very risky for vulnerable patients. This is even riskier for vulnerable patients. So people who are elderly, people who are on immunosuppressant drugs or immunosuppressant therapies, perhaps people with asthma who are taking long-term steroids, although they're very mild. These are things that compromise our immune system and make us more vulnerable if we do get the virus to have a really bad bout of it. We've all seen flus that have come through. Sometimes you can get a flu, you could be 25 years old, you can get a flu and it knocks you for a loop. You don't get out of bed for a month. We all know of these experiences where where people have gotten sicker than the general population. This is no different. What we need is more, more, more testing to know where it is, where it's not, and to get people on the front line away from vulnerable, compromised people, but not to panic in our own homes. I want people to understand that there's no real guarantee to not get this. There are thousands and thousands of ways we contact these viruses. And actually, viruses are in our environment all the time. When someone has HIV, God forbid, and they become in the state of AIDS, They don't die from AIDS, they die from horrible infections that you and I don't get because we have a normal immune system. So the only sensible and realistic defense against microbial infection is a strong intact immune system. Anything else is setting ourselves up to be vulnerable, to possibly have complications and God forbid to transmit this to someone who truly is at risk for this and that's where the real tragedy lies.
0: I'm wondering what happens with someone that gets infected and now is being forced to be in their house with everybody in their family. Like like I was a little bit thinking about it. Oh my god, what if I went to the grocery store uh, the grocery shop and I I accidentally touched something and I didn't know I got infected. Two weeks later, I am positive, and now I'm, I'm home with my kids. I'm going to be spreading. The, like, now it's like your imagination starts going wild. Well what is it that I'm, I'm supposed to do? What would be your recommendation for someone who might be in this situation that they're starting to get symptoms? There's not enough tests on there. I've What I've heard is that people go to their doctor, and their doctor says to go somewhere else to get tested, and then they're sent back to the doctor. It's like this ping pong game and people feel like what do i do what what would you recommend
1: well first of all if someone who is not in a high risk category meaning they're old, they're not older than 60 or 65 years old they're not taking any immune suppressants as medications they don't have heart disease and they don't have diabetes and perhaps they don't have asthma COPD or some other kind of disease that would dictate them to be vulnerable, we would want them to just quarantine themselves, be in their house the same way they would if they had any flu or cold. We're not gonna go to work, we're not gonna go in the office when we're coughing our brains out or sneezing uncontrollably, have high fevers. These are known to be infectious contagious diseases and we don't do it. What's insidious about this particular virus is that it can be spread quite readily without having symptoms. And this is where the danger for the vulnerable are. So the important thing here is to identify the vulnerable and to absolutely insist on staying away from them, not having contact and having their contact with the general public be minimized until the wave of this particular virus is over. We need to have herd immunity. Herd immunity is a phenomena in immunology where when a significant amount of a species become immune to a micro uh, infectious element, the entire species will become immune and resistant to this problem. And we've seen this in many viruses and some bacteria over the years, although bacteria have managed to morph even more than viruses, which is why we see this antibiotic resistance and other things like this. So what's very important is that we protect the vulnerable. We're not so worried about 40 year olds uh, getting this. Sure, it's gonna be devastating. It's gonna be a bad flu. They're gonna be in bed for some time, but they're gonna recover on balance. If you look at the epidemiological information for real, you'll see that 90 plus 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 percent of deaths and things that are happening in this are either with elderly or elderly plus diseases, or very few cases, but some of younger people, but they all have immune compromisation. They either had cancer or they're cancer survivors. Perhaps there's uh, some chemotherapy in the recent past. They may be on some immunosuppressive medication, prednisone, uh, something like methotrexate, something that, you know, drugs that suppress immune system, hold down our ability to respond to invaders and so forth. If you're not in one of these carriers, in a sense, as enough people become immune to this by getting the bacteria, creating antibodies, there will be a general populace resistance to this. And that's really the best way to get through these types of things. Secondly, we need to start buckling down as a society. And number one, get prepared for testing. And number two, realize that our only true defense against microbial infestation is a strong, robust immune system. And this is why I'm recommending to people to start thinking now about what is it going to take to keep your immune system at peak performance.
0: Something that I've I I see often especially right now, what it became really obvious to us is that nothing's gonna work if if our health is not put in place. I think that people now are being pushed to be like, oh my god, this is not a joke. I have to keep my immune this is like this is all we got. If you don't have a good immune system, you're really like a the weakest link in the whole in the whole thing. So I want to ask you something because, and I'm my brain is going up a million miles per hour, and you can help me because you're a doctor, and you know I might not have all the facts. But is it true that when people start using all of these, um, people become freaks about using antibacteria now? Nobody can touch as bacteria, and like we are freakishly about surfaces and da da da. When we go to that extent, aren't we also hurting ourselves because we do need some sort of bacteria i don't know how we're gonna go back to i don't know and i don't know how to define normal um at, at this point because we need like it has been proven that babies that are born with you know more bacteria than others they've developed better immune systems. Am I correct? am I overstating it? Am I making any assumptions that maybe I'm not correct? What would you say to Something like I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that everybody's just like, you look at them and they wanna like wipe you with a Clorox and you're like, wait, <laughs> hold on, let's not go so crazy right now. But I get it, it's a sensitive topic right now. But, but how do we go back to normal, whatever the definition would be now?
1: Well, certainly doctors are not recommending that we adopt a antimicrobial lifestyle completely because our bodies are 70% water bacteria. So bacteria makes up 50% of the mass of our bodies practically. And it's very important to our ability to function, we start killing all bacteria, and we start to morph what the human is designed to be. Natural order took millions and millions of years to develop. So undoing it in a very short amount of time is a recipe for disaster because our ability to adapt to biological changes takes quite a bit of time. So what I would advise people to do is to use these antimicrobials as a very specific defense against probable exposures in groups of sick people, amongst things that are uh, absolutely uncertain whether they would affect us. I have my own sense that these antimicrobial uh, hand sanitizers are very superficial against this and other microbes. Hand washing is very good. And what do we do when everybody in the office or, or around us has the flu, they're sneezing, they're coughing yellow phlegm. I mean, we know they're infected. We don't hug and kiss them. We don't share glasses with them. We don't touch them and then scratch our eyes. Everyone knows this. So basic precautions, Microbial transference is what's required right now. Fanatical sanitizing of an organism that's 10% bacteria can only lead to more problems. What we need to focus on is the immune system. And what I want to say about that is the, the word immunity is a noun, but immunity is not a thing. It's a function and it involves many different organs in order to be intact. It starts with the mouth, the nose, there's the lungs, there's the gut system, there's all kinds of uh, liver function and other function that are adding to our ability to handle substances that are not for us, to be able to break them down, to be able to urinate them out to be able to eliminate them, sweat them in many different ways. So the immune system is a complex combination of most of the functionality and organs in our body. And therefore in really understanding what optimal immune health is, we have to be able to assess and restore organ function because this is the only thing that operates as robust immunity. That's what we do here, I'm sure there are other doctors that do that, and what we focus on is what organs are not functioning properly, and what is the reason and what will restore those organ systems. Immune suppression as, a, as an approach to immunity is truly an emergency procedure and is a big mistake if we're going to rely on that to keep us from harm's way it's not going to work because it's very much like self-defense, karate or something like that. No matter how much self-defense you study, no matter how great you are at Kung Fu, there's always someone that could be better, faster, they have a gun, whatever the story is. So your only real self-defense is don't get in a fight. There is no other real self-defense. And your only real immune approach is to not get sick and the way you not get sick is to have an intact immune system you cannot not get sick living in an in a mayonnaise jar you cannot do that because people don't live in mayonnaise jars and people do require interaction with other people so the strategy should be of course emergency medicine to deal with something that got away from us but Immune restoration as a method of going forward. Nothing else is safe.
0: Right now, that what, what comes to mind right now is what we were talking before we actually turn on the cameras, which was it, right now at this moment. Going to a hospital when you feel sick at the beginning is not necessarily the safest place to do, unless you really, you know, you're having a baby or you broke a leg, I guess, or something like that. Um, but if you're feeling like something, you're, you, you, if you need to go to a doctor, you guys, like the private practices now are like the first line of defense. What would you like people to know? Like how, how should we handle it? What do we need to have specific knowledge, information? What are problems are you encountering right now that put people more at risk that really help them?
1: first of all, if someone has malaise, perhaps they have a fever, perhaps they have a sore throat, a cough, we probably are going to manage this viral episode the same way we manage any viral episode. Lots of liquids, bed rest, don't contact too many people, fever, possibly fever reducers, normal management of these things. If someone's symptoms are out of control, perhaps coughing to a point where they feel that they can't breathe, perhaps fevers that go out of control, and they're a relatively at-risk person, this is a reason to go to the hospital. Otherwise, if everyone who feels some symptoms of this because of the hyper-awareness and the hype of the whole thing, we could very quickly overload hospitals, and that's exactly why we're asking people to stay home. We're not asking people to stay home because the cure for the disease is not socializing with anyone. We're asking people to stay home because the early management of this did not work. And now at-risk people could have serious problems and we could not have enough facilities in the hospital to handle them if too many people were to get infected all at once. It's not about your 40-year-old healthy father of two or mother of one. Or it's not really about that, not even a pregnant person. It's really about immune compromised people, people who will not be able to withstand the immune attack and could literally perish. For example, my mother is 89 years old, has emphysema and a variety of other diseases that are known to create vulnerability to this. She cannot be in any contact with anybody from the outside, bar none, bar none, extreme high risk. On the other hand, I have a brother 63 or four years old. Yes, he's over 60, but in excellent health doesn't have these kinds of, uh, you know, uh, risks is not in that risk group. And probably it's not such an urgent problem for him to, have some contact with people. Sure, he wants to be careful the way we all do, but it's not in that extreme high-risk category. And this is why the quarantine's going on, because of the amount of elderly people, the amount of people who have heart disease, diabetes, respiratory diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, perhaps they're on an immunosuppressant now, and their ability to withstand a viral attack, especially a virulent one, may not be sufficient to to sustain them.
0: So who's a good candidate to actually go to the doctor right now? Who would you like to go to see you? Who would be someone who is a good candidate that you shouldn't be freaking out and they, they should contact you?
1: Anybody who's worried about their immune system or that they could be compromised, especially people who could be on uh, medications that suppress the immune system. Perhaps someone who gets a lot of colds all the time. These type of people, they come in, there's a lot of things we can do to short-term shore them up, make them stronger, make them much better able to handle these kinds of things, possibly not even get it. Remember, the contractile rate is not 100%. This is not the plague, the bubonic plague of the of the yesteryears. This is something where a certain percentage of people will contract it. And then, if they contract it, can their bodies defend them sufficiently so that they don't actually get a disease from it?
0: As a doctor in immunology, is it safe to say that eventually everyone will experience coronavirus, as everyone is probably experienced the flu to a certain degree? But because we're gonna have um, herd, what was a the word? herd
1: immunity, yes, herd
0: immunity, we're gonna be better prepared to 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 handle the situation? Is that something safe to say, or am I I speculating? Well,
1: herd immunity is one of the things that we're all looking for. And there's, uh, you know, different ideas about how that's best achieved. In my view, herd immunity will be very slow to come around with the current method of quarantining the general population. It may happen, but if there's not enough cases, then you know you can have the ebbs and flows of re-entry and eventually of course herd immunity possibly vaccine possibly some treatment you know to be gotten under control but going forward there's no particular reason to believe or to uh, even say that these kinds of viral outbreaks couldn't happen again there's more and more people there's more and more uh, activities out in the world is there's, there's there's more uh travel there's more interaction internationally tremendously more just think of maybe 20 years ago relative to how many people are moving in between countries and borders more open borders more communication and so forth so it's it's understandable that going forward the spread of microbes could be quicker but we can't live in a hazmat suit we cannot live in a some kind of sterile environment. It's not even good for us to do that. It actually compromises us to do that. So moving forward, we have to get smart about things that affect immunity, things that slow down our ability to respond to these things. And antimicrobials on balance can actually lower our ability to handle some of these things. So we should think things through and not panic and not be extreme. So for
0: those people that are not panicking but they want to be practical, what should, besides washing their hands, besides sleeping and the normal thing, is there things that they could be using from their kitchen um, to to increase their immunity? Um, I know you mentioned in in another video vitamin D. um, Is there any other thing that you would recommend?
1: There are, there are some things. Zinc is very good, but it should be in a chelated form. Otherwise, you're going to need an ionophore to get the zinc into the cell if you're just taking chemicalized, fractionalized zinc. But zinc is very helpful to sustain immunity. We don't need a lot of zinc. We just don't want to be zinc deficient. So a lot of zinc is not that helpful. But being zinc deficient can make our ability to handle viruses a little less uh, effective because zinc, when enough zinc is in the cytosol, it can block these the the creation of what we call RNA-dependent RNA polymerase, and this can possibly make us uh, unable to replicate, make the virus unable to replicate inside our bodies. There is vitamin D. Vitamin D is critical for immunity. Our ancestors were in the sun eight hours a day, ten hours a day, and What separates us from the amoeba is literally sunlight that has turned our our bodies into things that have bones and so forth. And ionic calcium, calcium bicarbonate, is a very, very important element that we have to have to be able to fight viral infections. And it happens through a variety of mechanisms of which vitamin D is very involved. Another thing is whole food vitamin C, but it must be whole food. Ascorbic acid is a preservative and it's very unlikely to be boosting someone's immune system, even though you think you feel better when you take emergency or some kind of vitamin C like this. Because remember, placebo effects, which we're not against at all because it's great when someone gets better, are hard to rely on. And then something like um, enough magnesium, enough calcium, of course, these elements are always important. big immune boosts are the vitamin C, the vitamin D, sufficient zinc, sufficient sleep, and like I said in the video, fun, fun, because the number one after sleep, the number one down effect on our immune system is stress. Stress immediately lowers our immune system because nature designed us that way, because when we have to get out of there, or we're being chased, or something has to happen. Nature does not even want our immune response involved and it shuts it down. That's why prednisone works. That's why immune suppressants work. They work by using that same activity to lower the immune system, which does make you feel better when you have a hyperimmune response, but it also compromises you because it suppresses the immune system, and this is the side effect of those things. So very important that we pay attention to immunity. There are many more specific aspects of immunity, but they require my personal attention because there are 12, 14 different organ systems involved in immune response. And it really takes expert, careful analysis functionally to understand what really has to be done to shore up someone's immunity.
0: I want to ask you something, um, because this term functional medicine has become like the new trending word i guess i guess people are trying to find ways to solutions because nobody medical doctors have given up on them what is the true definition of functional medicine and why is that your route of treatment
1: well functional medicine is really uh, the the discipline of of correcting dysfunction in the body as a way of handling diseases or conditions or just general problems, general health problems, as opposed to symptom suppression. So both are very important. Both are very important. Patients must get out of pain. They must get out of suffering right away. That's the most important thing. And we're pretty good at taking care of that generally here. We've got good painkillers, we have immune suppressants, we have a variety of different great drugs and therapies that can handle that for the most part. But then we're left with the other side of the equation, which is why is the problem happening? So I can take Advil every day for three years for my headaches, but they won't get rid of the reason I'm getting the headaches. And after taking Advil every day for three years, I've got some serious potential health problems, like gastroenteritis, or like compromised immunity, or stomach acid, or GERD, and different things that that are side effects of the long-term use of those drugs, which were never designed for long-term use. So most drugs and most therapies are designed for immediate emergency intervention, and to that aspect, they work pretty well. However. The other problem is the underlying cause, so that you don't continue to be someone who requires perhaps those medications, which invariably lead to new diseases and and problems, or so that you don't get the bad effect of of those medications immediately. And that is why do you have the problem? None of us would, if God forbid, we got arrested, we called our lawyer or whoever. They come, they work their magic, they get us out of incarceration hopefully and you know we wouldn't expect them to say okay you're out of jail so call me if you have another problem we don't do this because you still have the problem the case is going on and you are going back to jail if you don't handle the problem so it's incredulous in almost every discipline that we have to only deal with symptomatic aspects of a problem we always want the underlying cause corrected
0: what I'm understanding from what you're saying is really going towards the solution, going towards the real source of the problem and fixing it because it doesn't matter. Like a car, like if, if you have a problem in your engine, you know, you can put as much oil eventually. It's not, if you don't fix the problem, you're going to be waste more time, more energy, more effort. It's just going to be way more painful. But sometimes a band-aid is required in the meantime, which is totally okay, but functional medicine is is a new way of finding the, the root cause, right?
1: Well, here's the thing, Diana. 40 years ago, medicine was working, absolutely working. It was clear what people were getting sick from. It was clear how to handle it. There were not too many complex presentations doctors were well-equipped to handle people who came in, and the public was generally satisfied. However, in the last 15 years, maybe 20, things have become much more complex. And now the presentations to doctors doesn't fit the old models, and many of the medications that doctors are equipped with are not competent to handle some of the presentations coming in, many of the presentations. This is very frustrating, and what some pioneers have been pushing through in the last 10 years or so is another way of handling these diseases and conditions that are being presented by attempting to correct the functional cause of them so not only focusing on symptom suppression but the functional aspect of it why does the patient have high blood pressure why does the patient have diabetes Why does the patient have asthma? Why do they have IBS? Why do they have PCOS? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Why do they have that? Well, we don't know, no. So we attempt to investigate what organs aren't functioning properly. What organs are not functioning properly? And then we identify those and we identify the cause of that dysfunction because it's not a birth defect, it's not a trauma. We're not talking about people who have cancer, God forbid. A heart attack, a stroke. No, those are traumatic situations. They need to be managed, and they need to be managed medically and with symptoms. The birth defects have to be managed. Type 1 diabetes, God forbid, uh, spina bifida, you know, any kind of birth defect, anything that went wrong, something wrong with the thyroid, the heart. There are many birth defects that can happen, but we don't know too many people have them, but doctors see them. These are different, these things. These are acute emergency medical situations. The rest are really chronic degenerative situations that have happened over time, where the patient has become weaker and weaker, more and more degenerative, and now they have a disease that is classified. But actually, it's a symptom gone further that's now classified as disease. For example, prediabetes and diabetes that are truly the same process, they're just ones a little bit more, a little further along.
0: Then once that happens, Yes.
1: Yes, and once that happens, of course, other symptoms start going crazy and so forth. So functional medicine is, once you've got the symptoms under control, now, how do we correct the underlying condition that would be a cause?
0: What I really love about the way that you or your practice, and, and I, I have my own personal experience, my mom sees you, my daughter's, your I or mean, you're our, our doctor. Um, it's because you, it's not only the symptom, you're not treating the, you're treating the human and you are an investigator you actually go to find out you test different things you have like i said when i was describing you know you have many different tools under your belt like homeopathics and um nutritional clinical nutritionist and like all of these things that you have been able to master through your way of studies and through seeing what works for, with patients what's going on um and I do feel that we need more people that have that sense of humanity to see people, not because of their symptom, but to see them as humans. Maybe it's emotional distress plus this and this and this and that, and then you kind of walk them through back to health. Um, I'm I'm just going to kind of put it here because this is one of – it's my story, and it's part of one of the reasons why I brought you today to, to the show an eternal gratitude for what you've done for our family my daughter has had a condition for many many years since she was about five years old she has um something that happens to her skin if she if she writes like if we like go through her skin her skin will populate it's called chronic urticaria, and nobody would figure it out nobody people would miss the diagnose there were just so many things that was so confusing and through taking the program to making sure that we did the steps like symptoms started disappearing. She started to feel better. She started to lose weight. She started to go back to being able to be a kid without having to worry about, you know, getting scared and her, her body will just start populating. So things like this give me hope that there are true people with true hearts of that are doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing it for the right reason. So I wanna acknowledge you and thank you for that publicly because we're, we're gonna be eternally grateful to you and what you do and your practice, everyone there is just beautiful. And I wanna invite people who feel that they might be immune compromised to give themselves a chance and to go see Dr. Foreman. Because it is only when you tried it, when you've seen results, if you are able to go over his social media and check out all of the people who have willingly given their testimonials to you know to see like oh, three weeks ago I started, and I see a difference you know like it's just like almost overnight when I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this and and like everybody was just giving me more medications, and I was just like I, I was just overwhelmed with all of these things now i feel like i have my health back so i want to thank you for what you do i want everyone and their mothers to go and see you because you are a blessing to the universe you make this world better through what you do thank you so much and right now with mm-hmm. all of these things that are happening it's just an awakening for everyone at home to take a check you know check yourself and and find out without health there's no wealth there's we cannot make money if we're not healthy we cannot go out there and if and if this becomes the way of being where we have to be quarantined this is just not sustainable we cannot live like this and the only weapon we have to protect ourselves is our immunity so please do yourselves a favor go visit him um dr Foreman. where can we find you can you give us a, a direction where can we find you
1: well, first of all, <clears throat> I want people and patients to know that we are open during the entire crisis, that we are, you know, screening people who are perhaps high risk, perhaps symptomatic, so we're not having them in the office. we're We're asking them to stay home. Um, we only allow one person at a time in the waiting room and uh, we have quite a few different treatments here each treatment room is sanitized after every visit completely so instead of sanitizing the office after the day we're sanitizing every treatment room immediately Um, so it's safe to come here if you are concerned about about yourself it's our main office number is 305-741-2102 If someone is really scared and experiencing something where they need immediate attention, my mobile telephone is 786-417-5220. I can be called or texted anytime, any day. Um, Other than that, you know, we have a website. It's michaelformandom.com. And that is a way you can find out more information about what we do and you will be seeing more and more doctors doing this this is a very big wake-up call for doctors they really want to grab this they want to get better especially primary care physicians they want to learn how to assess and treat functional issues that are coming to them they don't just want to send you home with with a medicine it's just taking a little time and And one of the good things about a horrible tragedy like this is it is a very big wake-up call, not just for the people and population, for doctors. It's a very big wake-up call about our vulnerability, the vulnerability of our medical system, et cetera. So there there hopefully will be significant silver lining in this not very pleasant experience.
0: Thank you so, so much for this. I want to clarify, this is not a paid advertisement thing, not whatsoever. Um, I was awakened yesterday um, with the need to be a medium of hope to a lot of people that I see concerned about what's going on. And all I had to my disposal were the heart-centered leaders that I work with that have knowledge firsthand that will do everything possible to help people in a way that is ethical, in a way that is, you know, with a moral compass. And these are the people who I want to share the world with because I feel like the world deserves to know more about them. If the world will know how good and how powerful you are, like, I don't even know what to say, you know, like you are such a blessing and i i want to share you with the world every time i have a chance so thank you so much dr Foreman. i hope that um everyone that gets to see this at least gets like a little you know a little seed in their brain to be like hmm maybe i should consider this maybe i should so anyways thank you so much for having us and um for those who want to lead with compassion, who want to reach the world with the power of video, please visit us at fourproductions.com. where if you subscribe, you will have access to free tools, information, and everything that you need to become a leader within your field. Thank you so much for watching. See you next time.